on Ecclesiastes, this time Ecclesiastes 9, as we've just heard, and the ultimate limit of life, death. Well, if you're a TED Talks enthusiast, it's likely that you've come across Steve Jobs' talk on life before death. He was speaking to the Stanford University graduates one year. He acknowledged that death is the destination that we all share and no one has ever escaped it. And yet surprisingly, in the very next breath he said, and that is as it should be, because death is very likely the, very best, the single best invention of life. Jobs started every day remembering that this could be his last and he claimed that this very single activity shaped his success in life. Well, can we learn from him? Well, Steve Jobs and the teacher of Ecclesiastes both agree on one thing. Death comes to us all. The day of my mother's funeral, the minister conducted two funerals. The first was a man in his 40s, cause of death, something related to his alcoholism and violence. He had few friends and was estranged from his family. The funeral director found it hard to find someone to do the funeral. No one asked why the man died or why he died so young. In the afternoon, the minister conducted my mother's funeral. Now, it's never easy to bury your own mother, and, but my mother loved the Lord. And while she had her faults, she wanted nothing else but to give glory to God. She had gone in for heart surgery that was to give her an extra 10 years of her life. About four months later, she died at age 75. At her funeral, people asked, why did she have to die? Why couldn't she get those extra 10 years? If you pray for the Church Missionary Society, you've probably heard the news that Isabella Dale has been, just been diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. Isabella is a woman of about my age. She and her husband, Lauren, have been serving in the Middle East for many years. They currently work at St Andrews Hall training new missionaries. Isabella has also done quite a bit of teaching at Bible colleges and is currently spearheading a new initiative for outreach to Muslim women. All of us who knew her were shocked. We all asked, why? What is God's purpose in taking her now? Or would it be taking her now when she has so much to offer? Although we know we all share the same destiny, we find it hard to understand the seemingly indiscriminatory nature of death. Our sense of justice and fairness is rocked when we hear of good people like Isabella dying and evil it's seemingly coming to no end. Well, what about your own death? Do you think about it? The timing of your death? When it comes to thinking about death in the Western world, I'd divide us into three groups. There are those who deny their own death, or at least refuse to contemplate it. We think of young people mostly being in this category. They seem to have a sense of invincibility. Death is so far away from them, it's just not a reality. But denial is not only confined to the young. My aunt died last year, aged 86. She was adamant there would be no funeral and she made it really difficult for her, well, my cousin, her son, to notify anyone. She didn't want any of us to know that she was dead. The second group of people are those who are trying to escape death altogether. Research into immortality is a growing science. 
funded mostly by young billionaires who are convinced their wealth can buy them out of death. The idea is that a person could live forever in a machine. It's our bodies that give us trouble as we age. Scientists are trying to work out how to download the brain and upload it into a robot. The trouble is there's no proof that the mind and the consciousness can be uploaded into a machine. Immortality is still a long way off for these billionaires and scientists. But most of us fall into the next category and agree with Ashley Montague, who said, you might move on to a couple of slides, Bruce. Next one. The idea is to die young as late as possible. <laughs> now, some of our best minds are onto it, researching what will give us the longest life. There's whole centres of longevity research centres of longevity. Some tell us how to avoid the diseases that kill us, you know, quit smoking, avoid stress, lose weight, eat the right kind of diet, keep the brain active, that sort of thing. You hear it all the time on the documentaries. There are those who argue, no, no, it's not lifestyle at all, it's our DNA, and that could be changed by the right drugs. Sociologists confuse us even more by saying, no, it's a network of loving, supportive relationships that makes it. Uh, gives us long life. But now the research is saying, no, it's really growing that's the problem. Think about it. All of centenarians are short people. Nobody really can tell us definitely how you and I can die young as late as possible. There's no one answer. Because the reality is that no matter whether you deny death, try to avoid it or postpone it, someday all of us will die because sin has entered the world and nobody can escape it. All of us have sinned and all of us will die. Only God knows the day or the timing of our death, but that is determined by his love, not our sense of justice. So let's get back to Steve Jobs' topic. In the light of the certainty of death, how should we live our lives? The teacher encourages us to be content with the life we have now. We are to enjoy the material things of this, of this world, the food, the drink, the comforts of life. We're also to enjoy the companionship of those relationships that God has given us, especially those that are closest to us. We're to appreciate the life that God has given us. Contentment is kind of out of fashion these days, we're constantly being reminded by the media and by material goods around us that insist that there's more to life than we're currently experiencing. But contentment is what the teacher of Ecclesiastes is urging here. Contentment, Paul tells us in the New Testament, is a secret to be learned. It doesn't come naturally. We lost contentment when sin came into the world. But I believe it starts with cultivating that relationship with God, walking closely with him on a daily basis. As we do that, the material things of life come into perspective. We enjoy them not in a spirit of hedonism, you know, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die, but rather we enjoy them because they are gifts from God and our relationship with him reminds us of that. The teacher also tells us to work hard with confidence in whatever our hand finds to do. Now Steve Jobs' advice to the young Stanford University graduates was to follow your heart. Are Jobs and the teacher saying the same thing? 
Well, not exactly. Many of us find ourselves needing to do work and activities that are far from where our heart would want to be. We don't all get our dream job. And even in the dream job, there are bad days. The teacher encourages us to find satisfaction in doing any job, no matter what it is. Now, that's not the same as fatalism. Contentment is not just giving into life with a grin and bear it attitude. It's about embracing life and finding satisfaction. And sometimes the work we do is bringing about change and justice to the world rather than just putting up with the state of affairs as a fatalist would. Contentment also comes from learning daily to trust in the providence of God. Now the theology of the providence of God is just saying that God has a plan for this world. He has chosen a plan, a life plan for you and I and that is the very best plan that could possibly be. Providence also says that God will ensure that plan comes to fruition and he has attention to every detail, even down to the very last breath you and I take. And every single one of us has things about our lives that we'd rather not experience. But contentment is about embracing all of the life that God has given each of us, even when parts of it clash with our own heart preferences. Contentment is about trusting him and working hard in what he has given us to do. It's a secret I'm still learning. But throughout this series, we've been told that what we experience in this life and the things of this world are like Havel. They're like a smoke, they're like a vapour. They have no, we can't grasp them, they have no lasting meaning. So there's got to be more than just learning contentment for this life here and now, surely. Well, the New Testament tells us that although death is a certainty and comes to us all, the resurrection of the dead comes through Jesus Christ. He took our sin and he destroyed death. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that our mortal bodies will be changed in a flash. At the end of time as we know it, we will be raised imperishable. Our, immortal, our mortality will be clothed, clothed with immortality. The scientists studying immortality admit they can't figure out how to download the soul. They're on the wrong track. It is only through Christ that we, that we can have immortality and victory over death. But what does that mean for our lives here and now? Well, Paul urges us to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. What does he mean by that? For Paul, these are the activities that we do out of a commitment to Christ, the things that we do that we would not do if we were not Christians. That is, things our hearts would not necessarily naturally lead us to. For my mother, that meant faithful witness to the Jews of Sydney and ongoing prayer for them. For Isabella, that meant mission work in the Middle East and now training of new missionaries. But the work of the Lord will look different for each one of us. In contrast with the things that have no lasting value, things that are Havel, the work of the Lord is never in vain. It does have lasting value and meaning. As Christians, we are left with hope. So what should our life look like before we die? Well, let's not forget, in the light of our certain death, we ought to find contentment in life because it's all the good things of this world and the life 
that we now live that are gifts to us from God. But as Christians, in the light of our certain resurrection, we ought to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord. It is because God has given us the victory over death that we can have meaning and hope in our lives. Let let us pray as we finish. Father God, we do just thank you for the life that you have given each and every one of us. We thank you for the good things that you have given us and the good relationships that you have given us. We do pray that we might learn contentment in all of our life, the bad things and the good things of life. But Lord, we thank you most of all for what Christ has done for us and won in winning the victory over death for us. We thank you for the certainty of resurrection for us. But we pray that we might not forget that and we might be fully engaged in the work of, of your work in your work in this world. We pray that we might be faithful in doing your work. Enable us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.